Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? How about we can just watch basketball? Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish for your weekend update. Before we start, don't forget you can get this show ad-free by going to theathletic.com slash NBA show and subscribing to The Athletic. Huge weekend in the NBA, Keith. It feels like every game now is some sort of playoff preview, potential finals preview, and maybe none bigger than Warriors Bucks on Saturday night and Keith the reports of Clay Thompson's demise may have been a little too soon because he went nuts in this game. He had 38 points. He really wanted 40, he said. Uh, but it was good to see the old Clay Thompson out there. It, if, even if it was just for one night, it was really nice to see it. Yeah, this was Clay's biggest performance or biggest statistical performance, best performance, arguably, since he got hurt three seasons ago. I mean, the 38 points, like you said. Also, the assist, five assists, knocked down eight three-pointers, part of a barrage along with Jordan Poole of a, I don't want to say unexpected, but when both of those guys were totally on fire, you saw what this Warriors team could do. A Warriors team that's been stumbling and struggling recently. They're looking forward to Monday and getting Draymond Green back, but this was a great kind of, I don't know, get everybody warmed up and hyped for the return of Draymond in this one where Clay just goes off and also Jordan Poole, who, like, I don't know if you want to talk about Jordan Poole, just a, a remarkable season from this guy who, like, after his rookie year, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, no, like, I don't know about that. But now he's turned into this incredibly dynamic scorer and just yet another option. And also, interestingly, he was inserted to the starting lineup alongside Stephen Clay. Well, he, he forced the issue by playing so well that they had to close games with him. You know, he, he iced that game the other the other night with a couple of late threes. He was fantastic in this game with 30 points. You mentioned Clay Thompson, 38, 8 of 14 from three. I mean, that's just huge. Uh, on the other side of the, the coin for the Warriors, listen, man, Steph Curry needs to be a focal point of your offense. Like, you, you can't just have these games where he has eight points. It's great that they won, and, yeah, they didn't need him to go off, but I just don't like this generally because it, it is a continuation of a theme where he is deemed in, unimportant to what they do offensively when, really, he is the catalyst for the whole thing. So it's great to see those other guys go off, but I do think that their ceiling is all about Steph Curry and only eight points. I mean, he only took seven shots in this game. It's really interesting. I think he only had three shots through the first three quarters. Yeah, I don't know where I come down on that. I think I think Steph is the engine that kind of that makes it all go. And when it's Steph and Draymond, those guys, you think of them setting everyone up, but we're used to Steph being such a big scorer and having these big shooting nights. Maybe it was the aberration of just, hey, if Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson are going to combine to make 13 three-pointers, you're like, all right, fine. Maybe Steph, it's okay if he only shoots three times uh, through the first three quarters. I'm not sure, because like, it felt like in this game, they blew it open in the third, and then it, 
the Bucks never really rallied and made it that competitive of a game. So that's an interesting thing to consider of like, is it okay if Steph is this passive and just lets the other guys go off? And it's fine in the regular season. I, again, I don't want to put too much weight on this one game, and they have been trying to get Klay Thompson going, and it worked in this game. But at what cost? That's what we need to see going forward. And, and you mentioned, I mean, the Bucks just didn't have it in this one, and, and that happens, but Giannis with 31 points because that's what Giannis does. He just shows up and gives you 30-point games. I would say another thing for the Warriors that I'm really interested in with the return of Draymond Green is what that does to the role of Jonathan Kuminga. Kuminga, who's been... Excellent uh, recently. Last stretch of games and very, very consistent. Just the athleticism he provides, like the rebounding, the scoring, just a, a different type of score for a team that has the shooters who has, I mean, Kevon Looney is like their lone big man to guard people, but just adding one more different element of, of scoring and spark. So I'll, I'll be really focused on how the Warriors are going to utilize him once Draymond returns to the rotation. Well, Steve Kerr said out loud what we've all been thinking, that their rotations are not set, the starting lineup's not set, the closing lineup's not set, and it's because of Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kuminga, who had 14 and 11 rebounds off the bench in this game against the Bucs, and that, that's the team that they need him against. They need that strength and that physicality against teams like this, but also Moses Moody, who has been big for them here lately and, and even been out there in some crunch time moments. So Warriors have some good problems on their hands, and then getting Draymond Green back is going to be huge. Keith, we've been saying all year that the Bulls are back. Well, they just got back Alex Caruso. So I think the Bulls are back. They're back again. And guess what? For the first time in 22 games, they held an opponent to under 100 points as they beat the Cavs 101-91. Do you know who was missing for 22 games exactly, Keith? I, I actually do, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the entire time Caruso was out, they failed to hold their opponent under 100. Uh, he returns. I guess everything's fixed. This is a Bulls team that keeps losing to the top teams in both conferences. They've really struggled against the good teams. But Caruso returning, you know, maybe it's going to get them right again. And they beat maybe the only Eastern Conference playoff team who's been in a rougher stretch than they are uh, the poor Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, the Cavs kind of hit a wall, and it didn't help them that you know they had no guards for a little while, and they've been having some health issues as it is. Darius Garland, though, great game, had 25 points. Uh, I do want to swing back to Chicago because DeMar DeRozan, he just you know continues to produce. I mean, the guy puts up 20, 25 points a game no matter what, and he does it again here. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Caruso uh, all week probably just because we missed him, but the truth is, what Caruso does is amplified by having a guy like DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, who was back and, and put up 20 points. Yeah, you honestly didn't miss in this specific game that Zach Levine was out with that injury because you're, you're, you're getting back Caruso, who just connects the gaps or connects the dots. He's the connective tissue on this team. They have their elite scores. They have Vucevic you know, in the middle scoring a little bit, but they just need defense a lot. They need stops. They need hustle. And Caruso was up to the challenge and definitely had a very nice game. And like you said for DeRozan, it's wild how DeRozan will even have nights where he's off. And this one wasn't a very particularly good shooting game. But just like, but when it matters, third, fourth quarter, he's just unstoppable. He just keeps going. He keeps going. He keeps getting to his spots. And that's one of those reasons, I guess, he's like, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere there in that league-wide MVP conversation. Yeah, and the Cavs, this was their eighth loss in the last 11 games. And, you know, like I said, they've kind of run into this young team wall to a certain degree. And this is where you start to think, okay, well, if Karis LeVert was able to help him out a little bit, 
you know, maybe this isn't happening. And, and you could see the vision there at the trade deadline. But uh, how worried does stuff like this make you about the Cavs going forward? Because, I mean, this is the worst time to be playing your worst basketball. I mean, officially, I was worried when they traded for Karis LeVert, but they even they haven't even had him. Like, I'm not a huge Karis LeVert fan. I didn't feel like he fit, you know, exactly what they needed. I mean, he was replacing basically an empty rotation spot because Rubio was hurt, so they just needed somebody to get to the rim, to penetrate, to play off of Mobley and Jaron Allen, but without even Karis LeVert available, no, this team's in trouble. And, like, there's almost, there's no chance now, like, dreams of them hosting a first-round playoff series and maybe making it to the second round. I don't think anyone thinks that they're going to do that. So now, like, I don't know how you focus. You just rethink about how Evan Mobley's possibly going to win Rookie of the Year, and you build your defense because they're going to be in trouble no matter who they face in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. The Battle of New York happened at noon on Sunday, Keith. Big-time game on Sunday. We, we keep getting these nice marquee matchups. Uh, and even though the Knicks aren't very good, they put up a pretty good fight. Uh, but Brooklyn and... Most uh, importantly, Kevin Durant was just too much in this game for the Knicks to overcome. 110-107, Kevin Durant leads the Nets over the Knicks. I mean, he just hit everything in this game en route to 53 points. 53 points. Yeah. They were sending double teams, triple teams. It did not matter. He was just getting the shot up, and it was going in. It was a remarkable performance. Uh, he did it in front of his good buddy and teammate Kyrie Irving, who had some of the best seats in the house, sitting front row with tickets he purchased himself. Now, it was a great Sunday marquee game. You got to give credit to the ABC broadcast schedulers. Like It seems like every national game has been really exciting, really, really good, and the Knicks lived up to it. I mean, the Knicks have been stumbling a little bit recently, but like they played the Nets incredibly tough. You get the huge game from Durant. I believe that's the fifth 50-point game in the NBA in the last, like, six or seven days. Um, some of that credit to LeBron, who's done it twice. But Durant stepped up on this massive stage and kept the Nets from having a letdown after that huge victory over the Sixers that they had recently. And now the Nets are trying to scratch and claw their way out of that play. And, and again, like, the funniest thing, you mentioned it, is the double teams. The Knicks were double-teaming him. And, man, it did not matter. He's like, all right, there's two guys. I'm just going to go this way, and I'm just going to rise up because I'm seven feet tall, and I'm Kevin Durant, and there's nothing you can do. It, look, if you only saw the highlights, you would think Evan Fournier was just a non-factor in this game. He actually had a pretty nice game, 25 points, 5 of 8 from 3. Uh, but he had the misfortune of having to guard Kevin Durant occasionally. And KD just put it in his eye every single time, and it didn't matter. Uh, for the Knicks, I, I mentioned Fournier, nice game. Julius Randle has rebounded so well from his early season struggles, had 26 points in this game, uh, and and nearly brought the Knicks back into this. Him and R.J. Barrett, who also had 24 points, uh, big late-game buckets by them. I mean, R.J. gets to the basket, and he's trying to make stuff happen late game. That is good stuff for the Knicks. It's just that there's no other good stuff happening, period. Yeah, it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation for you for New York. I also want to give credit. I mean, I want to say the throw-in to the Ben Simmons trade, but like Andre Drummond was massive in this game. Made all eight of his field goal attempts. Had a double double, and then you like you get him playing heavy minutes. You get Goran Dragic playing thirty-eight minutes in this one. They were without Seth Curry. The Nets were, and it's just like they had players step up, and maybe they're finally figuring out who the guys are going to be. Like Bruce Brown plays over forty minutes in this one. They're finally figuring out, all right, you're going to play, you're going to play. Steve Nash is getting that rotation set as this team 
gets, you know, trying to find the rhythm uh, for the postseason. Yeah, Drummond, Brown, and James Johnson have been fantastic defensively, especially as a trio and as duos together. I really have been a big fan of their chemistry so far. I know James Johnson and, and Drummond have played together before, so apparently that's you know something that, that they've already kind of talked about. Also, James Johnson had one of the greatest dunks of all time over Andre Drummond. Perhaps they talk <laughs> about that is. sometimes. No, I, I, so one thing I hadn't noticed about this game is just that Steve Nash actually – mainly only played seven guys. Like, he shortened his rotation to seven uh, for a regular season game. I, I see Cam Thomas would be the eighth with a, a nice little eight-minute run there. But, like, he is just with no Seth Curry. They're still obviously waiting on Ben Simmons. Kyrie Irving, unavailable. Uh, you know, I guess they will extend that, expand that that rotation. But, you know, Nash figuring out who his guys are and leaning on them heavily for this win on Sunday. Yeah, shades of Mike D'Antoni there with the seven-man rotation. And, <laughs> yes. you know, you mentioned that the schedulers are just killing it. And the follow-up to the, the Knicks and Nets, Mavs-Celtics, man, that also brought the heat. And the Mavs pulled one out in Boston on KG Jersey retirement night. That has to taste very, very sour, Keith. Yeah, I feel like you teased it. At the opening, when you said they're giving us some finals previews, you were talking about this game, Celtics-Mavericks, two of the teams playing the best in the NBA in the calendar year, went down to the wire in a great game. I can't get over, also, Luka Doncic, who looked like he like pulled his hamstring, seemed like he was playing at 80% speed the whole time. Maybe that little break that he had to put on his game helped a little bit like a, a little like a limiter where he's like all right i'm going just this this speed this pace because he was so under control and he played like a relatively efficient game for him you can actually describe this game like this the the boston defense showed up in the first half and then the boston offense disappeared in the second half they held the mavericks to 38 first half points and then the mavericks countered in a third like you're supposed to. This is the NBA. This is where coaching matters is between halves, and they came out and scored 38 points in that quarter. Neither team scored 20 points in the fourth, 19 to 19 in the fourth, and it was a failure, I think, Boston, to just run offense consistently down the stretch. It was so much iso ball, and look, Jason Tatum is fantastic. He is a special isolation player. He made plays in this game. But the Mavericks' defense was ready. They were sending the blitz at him. They were forcing the ball out of his hands, and the other guys just didn't show up, Keith. You're right. It seemed like Tatum was really kind of on an island there, not getting the lift that maybe Doncic was getting from some of his guys, particularly Spencer Dinwiddie, who, outside of a handful of plays, had maybe arguably a subpar game. However, the handful of plays he made, halftime buzzer beater, game-winning three-point, Make like the guy stepped up in the in these huge moments and and gave the Mavericks a victory here. And like you said, it's just the Mavericks defense. These are two of the best, not only the best teams, the best defensive teams for the entire season. And we saw like it was a knockdown drag out fight. And, and with the Mavericks coming out on top just because they had a couple more guys step up, make big plays. Also, I have to credit uh, Maxi Kleber. Come on. 12 rebounds, three blocks and no points. I love that stat line. That's my kind of stat line. Let's not forget that he also was dunked into the mantle of the <laughs> earth. True. I mean, this guy was just totally postered by Jalen Brown. And if you're listening and you didn't see it, go watch it because it's one of the best in-game dunks this season. I mean, he he's right up there with John Morant. 
it was outrageous, the Jalen Brown dunk. I, it was almost shades. It's one of those things where two bodies collide in the air and somehow the offensive player gets a boost. Jalen Brown kept going up, kept going up. It is one of the dunks of the season. And then having KG, big ticket on the baseline right there uh, to dap up Jalen after the dunk. It, it was an excellent play. It's Makes it even sadder, I guess, how it turned out for KG's retirement ceremony to have to uh, have the Celtics deal with that loss to a very good Dallas Mavericks team. Well, I, I was told in a text that uh, Dallas beating Boston while KG was in the house was just a tribute from Dirk Nowitzki. So apparently yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, they were just trying to rub that in a little bit. And uh, as we close out on Friday, San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich became the all-time winningest head coach in NBA history, recording his 1,336th career victory over the Utah Jazz. He's the greatest to ever do it, and now officially is the greatest to ever do it, uh, if you only care about wins and losses, which, you know, that's what matters. So uh, congratulations to him. Congratulations to the Spurs. That's going to do it for the show, folks. Hope you guys have a great week. Keith, let's get out of here. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.